The vicious voices of the right are out in full force, and it's time for us to get up and organize against the heartless attacks on our civil rights. Start your morning diving into the headlines and issues that matter to our everyday lives, speaking with changemakers and hearing from you, our listeners. Hear your host, Zerlina Maxwell, break down the top news, push for solutions from officials who represent us, and call out the misinformation and hypocrisy that surrounds us, plus the engaging stories that keep you energized. Get your morning boost of politics, culture, and everything you need to start your day. It's always darkest before the dawn, but the dawn is here. Shining a light on the ruthless forces across the aisle and rising for a brighter future for all of us. This is Mornings with Zerlina. Welcome to Mornings with Zerlina. I'm Zerlina Maxwell. Joining us for a uh, comprehensive conversation about the state of politics right now, Molly John Fast, writer for The Atlantic and also Vogue, also host of the new Abnormal podcast for The Daily Beast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning, Molly's dogs. We haven't had good morning. Well, we, we haven't had dogs since um, Jess left, so I'm so excited to hear. We're a dog friend of the show. We love dogs here on Mornings with Zerlina. The first thing I actually wanted to ask you this morning, um, we were just talking about Oklahoma's abortion ban. I want to talk about sort of the Roe decision, but before we get to that, I want to talk about Jenny Thomas. Um, yeah, because you know this broke Friday afternoon, so a lot of people might have missed it as you sort of went into the weekend. Um, and then like this morning, I was talking about the Southern Baptist convention. So people might've missed the Jenny Thomas news. And there were more messages. Like before we got text messages, now we have emails. When, like at this point, how would you sort of sum up the Jenny Thomas piece of the story? I feel like a Supreme court justice's wife was actively involved. Okay. Allegedly is the premise of all of this. So allegedly a Supreme court justice's wife was in contact with people um, at the center of this conspiracy um, in order to help (laughs) further uh, the conspiracy to overturn an American election. Like, is that what's happening here? Yeah, I mean, it certainly seems like, again, there's a lot of allegations, some of which like are unprovable and some of which will likely bear out. So again, it's hard to know. I mean, at at the very least, we know she was cheerleading the insurrection, mm-hmm. right? Because we know her public Facebook posts and we know the email she sent where she was very pro-insurrection. Uh, and she was, you know, again, remember there are three, there are a number of different uh, actors dur- during this whole period between Trump losing the election and the insurrection all of which were doing different things. We don't know how connected these three pillars were with each other. But I would say that I think that clearly, I mean, it's improper at the very best, right? Like he should recuse himself at the very kind of, if none of the other stuff is true, he should at very least recuse himself. Uh, Likely more of it. And certainly I think there's more evidence we're going to see with the January 6th committee. Um, But clearly... I mean, this is very improper and it's also sort of unheard of. And I think what's interesting is that you see that Thomas is, you know, is complaining about politicizing the courts and complaining about all the stuff that his wife is actually doing. So that's pretty interesting. I mean, I think it's funny that he's saying anything. I mean, the joke from I mean, if anybody watched Boston Legal, 
the joke is that Clarence Thomas doesn't say anything in oral arguments. He's just very rarely actually speaks, literally speaks. Yes. Or, or Ten words. years, I think. Yeah, he, he didn't yeah. speak. So, like, the, if you ever go back to old episodes of Boston Legal, when they go to the Supreme Court, they obviously have, like, actors playing the justices. And the joke is that Clarence Thomas doesn't speak any words. That's the joke. Yeah. So, um, again, I find it so interesting that he chose this moment to, to speak words out loud and put them yes. in, in, you know, in the press. Um, yes. And when you think about sort of the bigger picture, we're going into a month of um, huh, a lot of certainty, but uncertainty, right? So we're yeah. certainly going to get a Supreme Court ruling. We're pretty sure we know what it's going to say, at least in part. Um, yeah. And, and the ruling itself, what, what that's going to mean. Um, but we also have in the background, Jan, six hearings at the same time. So <sighs> When you anticipate sort of the American people and their response to all of these events in the background, plus, like, we're probably going to be going through a, um, a COVID surge after Memorial Day as well. So, yay, yes. us. Um, <laughs> go us. Um, when you think about the ways in which Democrats can try to make the case to the American people that, okay, the Republicans just try to overturn your election. You wanted Joe Biden to be the president and they tried to overturn your will. They're going to try to do it again. Um, we need to protect your right to be heard and your access to the ballot box. Like how can they, how can the Democrats make that case? How do you think they go about it? Well, I think the, I mean, look, the most important thing for the January 6th committee is narrative, right? They go out there, they show the emails, they show the video, they get on television, they do it during prime time. They show people like, this is what happened. This is what Roger Stone texted. This is what Trump texted. I mean, I don't think Trump texts, but, you know, if you could put it together, put the narrative together for the American people so they can see that really everything these Republicans are accusing Democrats of is actually what they did. Mm. And that's really important. And it's important for the midterms, because remember, there are all of these state houses, secretaries of state, um, you know, like lower level state uh, representatives who will have power to um, overturn the 2024 election, right? I mean, that's where this is all going, right? This was a dry run for 2024. I think that Trump thought he could do it this time. But so I think there's a real sense in which uh, this January 6th committee has to make the case against Trump and the Republican Party and their nefarious activities towards democracy. But they also need to explain what the stakes are for this midterm. And that's a lot, you know, we tend to see that government, these government entities don't do amazing when they have to do two things at once. Oh, it's really true. It's so true. I mean, it, it feels to me like there's so much going on right now that um, is probably going to be, that's sort of bigger, like it, that's existential. Yeah. But then there's also mm -hmm. like gas is really expensive right now and milk yeah. and there's no baby formula, although that is um, something that is at least beginning to be uh, a problem that's beginning to be addressed um, because the first flights of baby formula did leave and are on our, their way here. The first batch, I, th I don't think is going into American store shelves per se. It's going to like special needs um, children, not special needs, but babies who have special dietary needs, I should say. Um but at least there's, you know, something being done about that problem. But it feels like you sort of have this sort of day-to-day -day, um, problems that people are going to be top of people's minds, like COVID, um, inflation, gas prices. Yeah. 
baby formula. And then you have like these existential issues, like the health of our democracy, the future of mm-hmm. American democracy. Um, I mean, much less any foreign policy issue like nuclear war over there happening yeah. over there in Ukraine. Um, how, how do the Democrats balance that piece of it? Because I think that they have a lot of work to do. And as you said, it's really hard to do two things at once. But I think, you know, you sort of have to, you have to, <laughs> you yes. have to do it. You don't have a choice. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, Dem- I mean, they have to address the inflation and they have to address the gas prices. Now, the thing that I don't quite understand, and again, you know, I, I am just me, right? So maybe there's some grand plan here, but like inflation is in every country, right? Mm-hmm. It's not Biden inflation, it's Borisflation. Right, right, it's, right. You know, it's everywhere. I mean, it's wor- It's actually worse in Europe. The, Europe is actually doing much worse because they're not at zero unemployment. So, or what, full employment or whatever the phrase is. So like, this is not I mean that's the thing I don't quite understand it's like this is not unique to America there are two things happening right we have a a supply chain problem from the pandemic and from a lot of countries shutting down and then we have another problem which is the wheat and the oil coming from Russia and Ukraine and that's a big problem but these are like global problems these are not Biden problems now the idea, and again, and I think Democrats would be smart to sort of go down this road. Catherine Rampelt in the Washington Post wrote about this this weekend. They are happy to criticize Biden, but I'm curious what their plan would be to deal with inflation and to deal with rising oil prices. Because yeah. like oil prices, it's OPEC, right? OPEC is essentially a price fixing scheme, right? They're trying to keep oil prices high because they know it's the summer, which is a good, you know, people drive a lot and people fly. And also because they know that oil prices have been low for three years and they want to make money. So like Biden has tried to go to Saudi Arabia. Saudi Arabia clearly has some kind of nefarious relationship with Jared Kushner because they gave him two billion dollars to manage. Right. Mohammed never managed anything. Right, exactly. And Mohammed Batamid is not a good actor, right? He killed Jamal Khashoggi. I mean, like, this guy is not a good guy. So he's not going to help Biden. Then, I mean, there's, you know, there's this question of the oil. You know, I'm not sure why Democrats don't use this as an opportunity to tout um, wind and solar, even if it can't make up the difference. Like, why wouldn't you use this as an opportunity to promote it, right? Like, say five in five years, we never have to have a situation again, or in 10 years, if we have all solar and all wind, we don't have to worry about MBS's moods. I mean, like, so I don't understand, like, I feel like there's a little bit of a lack of like forward thinking here, right? Like, you know, yes, we're in a crisis, but the rest of the world is too. Yeah, I mean, especially when it comes to inflation, I think that's one of the points that they should make and hammer home all over and over. I mean, whatever you want say whatever you want about like ultra maga and whether or not that's an effective line of messaging which might be my next (laughs) question um but i think that the inflation piece of this like because the first question i had um, about the baby formula shortage was like is this a global problem like inflation turns out it wasn't it was specific to abbott and the way that we have structured uh sort of in three companies all of the baby formula we yeah. we have um which seemed like a really big um problem like uh, somebody yes. should have foresaw that being an issue at a certain point um whoever set that up um <laughs> all the people that set that up they they really had a, you know missed uh, sort of a big problem if you only have yeah. three sources one of them goes down nobody no the, none of the babies have food i mean i can foresee that problem but <laughs> but on the but the, on the other piece um the inflation 
you know, whenever the headline says like inflation at 40 year high, I'm like, we've never been in a global pandemic before. Like, what are they talking about? Like 40 year high? Of course, it would be at a 40 year high. It would be probably at a generational high, um, depending upon what's going on in the world. If it's at a 40 year high, what was happening 40 years ago? OK, there was probably like a lot of stuff happening 40 years ago that, cre- yeah. you know, globally that created that problem of inflation 40 years ago. I mean, why don't we lean into the fact that why why don't not we but the media broadly um why can't they focus on sort of the bigger picture as opposed to being like oh it's like joe biden has a problem with inflation as opposed to what you just said which is like so does boris johnson right (laughs) i mean i think some of it is some of the problem is that it's just um you know there there's not a lot of historical reference for a lot of of these kind of things but the other thing is like ultimately you know democrats are so bad at messaging and republicans are so good at it that even though republicans have no plan right i mean like they know their plan is wildly unpopular that's why mitch mcconnell got mad at rick scott and was like right. don't tell anyone don't tell anybody <laughs> right don't tell anyone our plan because it's so unpopular you know you're gonna raise taxes on people who can't who can barely afford to live now i mean that's not popular but like Dem- you know, the, the problem is Democrats, I feel like they always feel like messaging is sort of beneath them. And it's not the media's job. I mean, mm. look, you know, it's not the media's job to figure out how Democrats are supposed to message. They're supposed to do it themselves. And it's interesting because it's like, you know, you see a lot of you see a lot of reporting that is, you know, is controversial, you know, or is is very hard, on, is equally hard on Democrats and Republicans. And it's hard to listen to that because you think like, well, Republicans are like against democracy and they, you know, are trying to defend the indefensible. But, you know, Democrats need to sort of do more and they need to be able to kind of get, you know, get the media on their side. And, and, And I think sometimes that means being more accessible. That was the other thing I was thinking about is like people like the I mean, look, Trump was a disaster and a nightmare and a lunatic he was accessible to people and people liked that he did his own tweets and that he was, that they could sort of almost connect with him. And I think that Democrats lose a lot when they don't do their own Twitter and don't do their own Instagram and don't like aren't accessible and aren't, that doesn't feel like people can reach them. And when I think, and I think that that's something that's really hard Biden is like just not being out there enough like he's good when people when you talk to him, he sounds right. pretty good, but they keep him so sort of cloistered that you feel like, you know, what's going on there. And and I think that we are in a time when we deserve to have accessible politicians. It's a really good point. And it makes me think of the um, Cory Booker, <laughs> because yeah, one of exactly. the one of the great um, things that you should all follow if you're on TikTok is his TikTok, because he. For, he posted one last week, late last week, that was just like, it made me laugh so hard because I went to law school in Newark. And so I have, when Cory Booker was the mayor of Newark, I used to see, see him at um, like community events. And we used to do like community night patrols, like during our finals weeks um, as like a study break. And so the interaction on his TikTok was like him walking through the neighborhood and like, you know, older black woman being like, I love you. Can we take a picture? But you got to send it to my phone because I don't know how to do that. You know, like it's exactly how it would be if they met my mother. Um, in fact, yeah. I'm pretty sure that was probably like part of, you know, like kind of a conversation when he met my mother. Um, 
But I think that, you know, in terms of accessibility, I mean, maybe that we need more of the Cory Booker approach than, yeah. than, you know, some of the other folks who talk in, talk in sort of policy paper instead of right. like real people. I'm not 100%. saying that, you know, I'm not saying that that's all Democrats in any way, shape or form. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I know what you're talking about when you're saying that Democrats um, aren't as good at messaging and think they are a, a little bit above it. I think that that's true. I think that that's very true because we all we all have this problem where um, uh, on the progressive side where we know a lot of information and we want to tell you right. all the information that we know about a certain thing instead of just getting getting to the message. Um, exactly. And it isn't our job in the media to message for the Democrats. <laughs> it's our yes. job to ask the questions <laughs> yes. about the policies and how they impact the people. That's like sort of the, yes. sort of the whole question. <laughs> Which set. a lot of times messages <laughs> for Democrats because the policies are good. Right. Like if you just sort of focus on 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 just just put a little effort into into that, we do much better. So yeah. speaking of the message, we were just talking to um, two of the folks from Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood Great Plains, um, which uh, includes Oklahoma, which now officially has the strictest abortion law in the country, even worse than Texas, but modeled mm-hmm. after the Texas law, of course. Um, and we're a couple weeks away, not even a couple. We don't know what day it's going to happen. It could happen like first Monday in J- June, which is what I mm-hmm. think, but we'll see. Uh, it's happening soon, imminent um, mm-hmm. Supreme Court ruling overturning Roe. I mean, when we think about the message, if it, it feels like that, that's going to be an easier one, right, to to uh, crystallize for the American people. What, what should the Democrats do, you think, to galvanize um, the millions of American people, millions of American families um, and voters that absolutely do not want Roe overturned? They agree with choice um, and they want people to have this right and access. Well, I'm going to say something a little controversial here. Um, I actually think that what Democrats should do is they should explain to people that 93% of all abortions happen in the first trimester. Mm. Okay. That is a, because all, you know, most people in America are pro-choice and almost all of them are fine with first trimester. And I think that's a winning issue for Democrats to explain. I don't think, look, as someone who has had, you know, two pregnancies and three children, and had almost, you know, and has had problems in pregnancies and has known people who have had to have abortions in the third trimester because of like, you know, the baby was dead. Like, I think it makes more sense to talk about, you know, Republicans love to say like, there are people in the third trimester killing their babies. That is not happening. That is not happening. That nobody is carrying a baby to 32 weeks to just change their mind. Like. The people I know who have had third trimester abortions, it's because the baby is dead or because something terrible is about to happen. And even then, it's usually because the baby's not going to survive and the mother's not going to survive. Right. It's never, you know, I changed my mind. I carried this baby for, you know, seven months and now I've decided I want to kill it. Like, this is a completely crazy framing. And right. I think Democrats need to say, like, this is not what this is about. This is about, and, and I mean, because you see these laws are like, they don't care about rape and incest anymore. And then a lot of them don't care about the health of the mother. So right. you're going to have people having miscarriages. And this has already started in Texas where they're having miscarriages and they can't, you know, they can't get a DNC because, yes. and they just keep bleeding and you're going to have women die because of this. And I think like 
Democrats need to just be very clear on this and not let Republicans take this into because Republicans want to say this is about having abortions until the you know and murder. This is not no, what this, this is about. That's but that's literally what they say. I mean, we were just no, saying, I know. Catherine Glenn Foster, president of Americans United for Life, at the House Judiciary last week said that they are ripping up the babies, uh, ripping them up, burning them. And then yes. using that, the incinerated baby parts, to light the power in D.C. Right, yes. That's what she said under oath. I'm not making that I up. Know, that I is know. a true quote. Like, no. And so that's what we're talking about when we're saying that Democrats are ceding ground yes. in, in and, this fight. Because and that's crazy. They should say right. that's crazy. That's not reality. Crazy. I live in reality where the right. majority, and as you said, vast majority of abortions, 93%. Right. Yeah. Happened in the first trimester. And I think the Democrats need to say that they need yeah. to say because Republicans want to have a fight about what is viability and yep. where does it go? And that's not what this is about. This is about women getting health care. Right. This is about women getting health care. This is not about people, you know, cremating babies to have power and electricity. I mean, that's completely crazy. And I think that Republicans know they have a loser on their hands if they yeah. talk about the real facts of abortion and that's why they're making crazy stuff up yeah if you, i mean just speak the truth sometimes it'll be right in your favor i mean mm-hmm. they, what they're saying is crazy it's crazy yeah. just say that molly crazy. it's always great to talk to you i always enjoy it say hi to your dogs they're so cute <laughs> I, I i miss having a dog next to me but the cat's cute too um molly john fast from the atlantic and uh, the new Admiral Podcast from the Daily Beast. Thank you so much, as always, Thanks. for joining us. We love you. Feeling <laughs> is mutual. Thanks for having me. Stay safe. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Zerlina. Check in for new episodes every weekday. <laughs>